0: Pain or no pain, your wisdom teeth should be checked every year. If wisdom teeth come in properly and meet the right conditions, they are generally safe to keep. But left unchecked, they can put you at risk for gum disease, tooth decay, and damage to adjacent teeth. Some wisdom teeth grow in at such an angle that they never break through the gum, which can lead to tooth decay, gum disease, cysts, and tumors. These impacted teeth can only be seen on x-rays, so the damage they may cause can go undetected if they are not checked by a dental professional. Some people just don't have enough room for another tooth in their mouth so their wisdom teeth can affect adjacent teeth when they come in. This can make it difficult to chew, difficult to keep them all clean, and misalign your teeth. Not all wisdom teeth need to be removed, but they all do need to be monitored by an oral and maxillofacial surgeon. Find a surgeon near you for a complete examination. If your wisdom teeth do need to be removed, the procedure can be done in an office setting with minimal postoperative pain and swelling. Remember, pain or no pain, your wisdom teeth should be checked every year. Find your local oral and maxillofacial surgeon at myoms.org.
1: KGAB Orchard Valley Cheyenne, K258DN Orchard Valley. Breaking news, weather, sports, and talk. A Town Square media station.
2: the president keep his promise? I'm Pam Puso, Fox News. President Biden has said all Americans inside Afghanistan and the Afghans who helped the U.S. during 20 years of war will be evacuated if they want to be. But it's been difficult, if not impossible, for those people to get to the Kabul airport.
3: President Biden yesterday described a scene outside the airport in Kabul that was calm and orderly. The images on the ground do not match up to those statements. We've seen video this morning of people for the sixth day charging, trying to get into the airport as American troops look to maintain order. Pure chaos outside leading the U.S. Embassy in Kabul to release a statement to Americans who are on the ground in Afghanistan saying this because of potential security threats outside of the gates at the Kabul airport. We are advising U.S. citizens to avoid traveling to the airport and to avoid airport gates at this time.
2: Fox is Trey Yingst in Qatar, where flights from Afghanistan have arrived. Yesterday, a defense official says only six Air Force transport planes were able to leave Kabul. 1,600 people were evacuated. That's not good enough for lawmakers on both sides. We have a lot of work to do. we got to get our American folks back home, our nationals back home, our SRVs out of country. House Republican Cat Camac of Florida on Fox and Friends. Another issue that has the White House scrambling is tropical storm Henri. President Biden has been briefed on the storm that could strengthen into a hurricane before making landfall tomorrow in the Northeast.
4: Normally when you get storms this far north, they're moving really quickly. That's not gonna be the case with this one. So it's gonna be longer term impacts of the wind, longer term impacts from the rain. That means more flooding, more storm surge and more uh, wind.
2: That's Fox meteorologist Rick Reichmuth. America's listening to Fox News.
1: Get all of your favorite Fox News podcasts commercial-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. From Dana Perino, Kennedy, Ben Dominich, the Duffies, and many more. Subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The Fox News Rundown. Start your day with a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. A daily morning podcast going far beyond the headlines. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network.
0: Hey, it's Will Cain, co-host of Fox & Friends Weekend. Join me every Monday and Friday as I share my thoughts on a wide range of topics from sports and pop culture to politics and business. With the help of newsmakers and
1: personalities, I will provide you my free, unfiltered, uncancelable opinion
4: on the hottest topics in America.
1: The Will Cain Podcast. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. America is listening to Fox News.
2: The White House has been getting an earful from both Democrats and Republicans over the chaotic pullout from Afghanistan, and America's allies are also speaking out
0: it was the first time such scenes have been seen in the british parliament and not only did they start to berate the decision i I want to read to you what one parliamentarian stood up and said he said to see their commander-in-chief call into question the courage of men i fought with to claim they ran is shameful those who have not fought for the colors they fly should be careful about criticizing those who have And another one of the big points that many people made was that president biden campaigned on this idea of america is back
2: Fox is Benjamin Hall. More than 319,000 Americans tested positive for COVID-19 yesterday, and Johns Hopkins says more than 2,600 Americans died as the Delta variant surges, hospitals are at or near capacity. A vaccination milestone for the U.S., the White House says 200 million Americans have received at least one dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. This as three fully vaccinated U.S. senators test positive.
5: Independent Angus King, Republican Roger Wicker, and Democrat John Hickenlooper are experiencing what doctors call breakthrough cases when fully vaccinated people come down with COVID-19. Dr. Jerome Adams, former Surgeon General under President Trump, says the illnesses are usually mild.
6: Symptoms that that seem like a sinus infection or bad allergies, a runny nose, a stuffy head.
5: Dr. Adams says vaccines are still the best way to prevent serious illness and death. Rachel Sutherland, Fox News.
2: Around the world, COVID protocols have been met by protest, and today in Amsterdam, there was a loud one. Hundreds of performers and festival organizers blasted music as they demonstrated against restrictions that have canceled music shows and other events. Pam Puso, Fox News.
4: Your day weather forecast is brought to you by Bob Ruart Motors. The easiest purchase you'll ever make. All roads lead to BobRuartMotors.com. We'll see a stiff southerly breeze here this Saturday across the Cheyenne area. Winds 15 to 30. Skies mostly sunny. Highs upper 70s. Cannot rule out an isolated shower. or brief thunderstorm this afternoon. Lows near 50. Little warmer. Continued breezy to a little windy and sunny and dry for your Sunday. High temps. Low to mid 80s. I'm meteorologist Mark Huer.
5: Old Buick and a big old sky, and wheels on fire, and I tell you why I got a hot rod.
7: Good morning, good morning, Nick, the Motor Guy, back here on cargab AM six fifty KGAB. A uh, beautiful day, bright sunshine, some great things going on around uh, Cheyenne. A uh, good evening last night, down Friday's Friday's on the Plaza. I think it's got the one or two weeks left. It uh, really is such such a great thing for downtown Cheyenne. Been going on for many years, and really was the springboard for so many things that have happened uh culturally, certainly music wise here in Cheyenne. I uh, do have the Arts Festival going on at Lions Park today. So lots of things going on and uh hopefully the weather will support it. Cause it is feeling a little foolish. I um the the uh the wind's a little cooler in the morning, the sun doesn't seem quite as hot and yes we are in the uh last days of summer which uh I find rather sad. It seemed to go by rather too quickly, but that may just be the fact I'm so busy and I don't know. Summers seem to get shorter. I don't think they are actually getting shorter, And according to a lot of the world. They're permanent or maybe permanent at some point, but uh, it definitely feels feels a little cooler around here. This morning I thought I would chat about um, something which I haven't touched on in quite a few years. I got an email from a gentleman by the name of Kevin um, regarding a transmission, one of my less favorite vehicles, which I have rudely known over the years as the Exploder, mainly because of its transmission issues. Um, And I thought it would maybe go back through some of the history and where we may be going in the future. You know, when I started on this station all those many long time ago now 16 17 years ago when joe kuma first asked me to be on the talk of cheyenne to to talk about cars with her for 20 minutes um i didn't have a clue what i was doing which was obvious i i couldn't have even considered where i see the show was gonna go or for that matter where the industry was gonna go I had some ideas and I remember talking about them. In those days I remember getting calls from some of the listeners who still call today um, when we were talking about um, the expense of gas and there were the uh, the Browns gas theories where you could put supposedly this water system on which would electrolyze Uh, the water produce uh, hydrogen. Hydrogen would then be introduced into the um, induction system of the engine, thereby decreasing the fuel consumption. Um, And the the kit that you could buy, and I'm sure somebody's probably still selling it, please don't buy it. Um, But it was basically a glass jar with some electrodes and some fairly ugly bits of wiring which you connect to your car and uh, a tube which then supposedly carried the hydrogen to your uh to your in- induction part of your engine um and really that that was the discussion and, and fuel injection was still fairly new to people i mean at that point it had been commonly used on cars for 10 to 15 years, uh, we had um, got over the fact that points and uh, things like that were still necessary in a car with everything. Electronic ignition had kind of been accepted. Computers were starting to be accepted. Um, The onboard diagnostic systems were, yeah, they were okay. They were a lot better than they had been 10 years earlier. But in 2005, 2006-ish, the, the, it was in a state of flux. We were starting to see the first hybrids from Toyota, the the Prius, um, which I panned. I continue to dislike hybrids um, for all the reasons I covered back then. The major one being um, the expense and toxic waste dump of a battery, and what on earth are we going to do with recycling it? I that issue, to me, when I try and read, read as much as I can about it, it's still being greatly ignored. Uh, we now have Priuses on the road that are knocking 15, 20 years. They are failing. Those batteries do fail. They're very, very expensive to replace, and the recycling is something of a nightmare. We've got tons and tons of uh, hybrids on the road. We've got electric cars. So lots and lots of things have changed. When you get into transmissions and what, why they exist, what they do, uh, it's worth going back to the early days of automotive history. Back into a long time ago, almost 150 years ago, uh, back into the 1870s, 1880s, there was a gentleman back then that put out a patent for a front drive carriage with a transverse, in other words, across the frame, three-cylinder engine driving through a sliding gear, not what he called at the time, gearbox to the rear wheels. Sorry, to the front wheels in this case. So it basically was predating the brilliant ideas that happened in the 1980s by companies like suzuki and daihatsu who were the first three-cylinder front-wheel drive cars of course we weren't calling carriages by then one of the problems with the gasoline engine is it produces its twisting power its torque it's the torque is what gets you moving over a fairly narrow speed range within the engine. The problem with that is that you then, when, when the engines work at its best, move it to move the car to get it uphill, to get it off the line, it's constantly needs to be adjusted, and the adjustment basically became the transmission. Now, you say, well, why don't other engines need that? So, one of the things, and we'll get back to this with the electric motor, but things like steam engines and electric motors can be used in cars without transmissions because their torque, their ability to get the car moving and keep that necessary power to the engine to get it to go up hills can be used across a wide motion of the engine itself and therefore steam engines don't need transmissions and nor do electric motors. With gasoline engines becoming the dominant force by the late 1890s, I mean, yeah, okay, there were a couple of steam cars, but they're cool, they're really fun to look at, but not very uh, practical. The transmit the, the engineers started to look at ways that they could make the gasoline engine perform in its comfortable place, in other words, where it was producing maximum torque, um, or as much as possible. And as much, thank goodness Max isn't with me today, but I have, we have to give the nod for the idea of the transmission to a pair of Frenchmen. Um, Louis-René Panhard and Emile Lavasseur, way back in 1894, they invited all the press of the day to a demonstration, and this is their quote, of the most revolutionary advancement to date in the brief history of the motor car industry. Which was all terribly exciting. And their sliding gear, trans, multi-gear transmission theory, they had this all going, they had a car there. Unfortunately, what they didn't allow for was the fact the engine didn't start. And so... After much hype, they were reduced to basically a piece of chalk and a blackboard um, where they could give the theory on what they were talking about. Um, The press at the time, of course, destroyed them. In fact, there were certain people called it, uh, here's another quote, their invention as more hocus pocus from charlatans trying to cash in on the public's fascination with the new motor car. (laughs) I wonder how he feels about that comment now. And uh, maybe the inventors should have skipped the tech talk and just used the description later um, attributed to Panhard. It's brutal, but it works. Anyway, it became as the, the gasoline engine started to become more and more developed, it became more and more necessary for the transmission to start to, to start to develop. Um, one of the uh, ideas of the time was using a leather belt with so basically the engine drove a couple of shafts which attached to a pulley and then leather belts extended between the pulley and two different sized gear wheels on the axle. So and in fact, my 1930 Morgan, being incredibly advanced at the time, uses a very similar idea of two chains. Basically, this is a bit like a bicycle. So attached to the axle on these vehicles, one wheel would have been a little one, was um, got the car going by meshing together with a ring gear, which drove the driving wheels. And then you could move it, with a lever to get that gear to then mesh across to the big wheel, which then allowed the engine to accelerate the vehicle rather than run out of power all the way up to the incredible top speed of 20 miles an hour. Now, unfortunately, if the car encountered a hill, Then it would drop out of its power band, which is the problem with the gasoline engine. At that point, the driver would have to come to a dead stop, so he could then move the lever again to engage the small wheel and start that all over again. Um, This this was obviously not terribly useful, um, although it was a way around it. This continued to be a problem, particularly in very hilly areas, Even in Britain, I remember my my father telling me the very early cars, and occasionally uh, when he was younger, you'd see them, to get up a really tall hill, because their lowest gear was reverse gear, they would actually reverse up the really tall hills. Anyway, after the disaster of 1894, 1895 came along, and the two Frenchmen, Mr. Panhard and Mr. Levesau, um brought along their transmission and basically became the standard, literally, transmission, or what we think of as the standard transmission today, the manual transmission, uh, became vogue and became used in many, many different vehicles. It possessed a engine with a transmission behind it with a clutch, which allowed disconnection of the power so that three um, sliding gears could be selected. And then again, we hadn't got quite to the drive shaft at that point, we were still driving through a chain. However, we now had three gears. And later on, not much later on, but the uh, great industrial, also a Frenchman, Mr. Louis Renault, connect that to a live rear axle, meaning it uh, was sprung but it was uh, moving up and down so you actually had proper suspension by means of a metal shaft. And the modern day idea of the car, front engine, rear drive, transmission to some kind of axle was born. The Library of Axel had actually also been, again, there's arguments, uh, depending on which uh, which book you read, as to whether this was Renault or whether this was actually an American by the name of Jurea. Um Jurea was actually, it became best known for the fact that he produced The Differential. And this was, again, another development of... The transmission system which we take for granted in our cars today. Differential is terribly important if you want good feel to the road and handling. So what does a differential do? And some, many of you may know, but if you don't, and you've often heard the word differential rear axle, blah, 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 blah. Um, you may have heard things called lockers, and we can get into those later if we have time. But the differential allows the car to or truck or whatever to go around a corner without jerking. So you can imagine if you have a car with a solid rear axle with both rear wheels turning at the same speed and you're trying to go around a corner, that starts to give something of a problem because the inside rear wheel has to move less than the outside rear wheel. And that's why you will sometimes feel in certain vehicles in four-wheel drive, if the four-wheel drive is what we call locked up, um, which is a, so that uh, the differential doesn't work, and that's sometimes useful, um, it, allow, it you feel the vehicle skip. And that's basically the wind-up of the inside rear wheel against the outside rear wheel arguing with each other. To overcome that, Mr. Durea came up with the idea of using um, differential gears, which allowed the movement of one wheel to be less than the other wheel. And we can get into into how that's done, but I think for, the, for, for now, we'll just leave it at that. But the differential, again, referred to the ability of the unit to turn the outer driver wheel faster than the inner driving wheel, and that eliminated that scuffing. This was all moving pretty quickly. If you think the engine had only been around at this point for about 15 years... We now had transmissions, we now had differentials. One of the things with the transmission though is trying to shift it became quite hard because you were trying to move gears, one gear was spinning and the other gears spinning and you were trying to shift and they would clash. Um, it became something which you had to be technically driving wise fairly aware of. Well, as cars became more popular and people wanted to drive, there was obviously improvements could be made. And one of the, th- one of the improvements that was made, and this was actually introduced um, by folks like Cadillac, was a synchronizing system, which allowed the gears to spin against each other and smoothly go together so you didn't feel that crunch. And you've often heard people, if they say their transmission's grinding when they on a manual transmission, oh, my synchros are going out. And basically what a, a synchronizer does is allow those two gears that are going to be connecting into each other to smoothly go in without any noise. The first synchromesh uh, transmissions um, being introduced by Cadillac, um, There are many others who kind of jumped on board and developed those, and it became the standard for this manual standard uh, style of transmission for many years. As great as the sliding gear transmission was, um, and the perfection of synchronizing, allowing them to shift, it still, for some drivers, was not easy enough to drive. So manufacturers were still reaching out for, other ideas and henry ford was the one who came forward of course with the model t with an idea um to avoid that and that was called the planetary transmission and that is what is was in the model t's cheap to manufacture easier to drive it had a central gear called the sun gear surrounded by three gears in a housing called the planet gears. Planets go around the sun, right? Now today, and for many, many years, our automatic transmissions, planetary gears are widely, widely, widely used. Um, Not seen anymore in the manual style transmission that Ford used it for, but again, it became an inexpensive way of trying to make a driver who may not have experience, be or may not have the skill necessary driver to drive an early vehicle it made it more available and of course we all know what the model t did we am gonna take a break we'll come back and talk more about this we're gonna get into some kind of cool ideas um one of the ones uh being uh, from the brits and the precursor to the automatic transmissions which so many of us
1: Westland Road Motor City Cheyenne and experience the holiday difference the beginning of hassle-free driving
7: Nick the Motor Guy back here on Cargab talking about transmissions. Hopefully I'm not boring you all to death. I'm having rather fun with it. But if you'd like to join me, stop me, tangent me in another direction, feel free. You can go 632-6500, 3323 one 1-888-503-6500. After the Model T and, of course, the developments of Synchromesh and selecting gears, the whole idea behind a transmission design was um, to have one goal, which was to make it e- shifting easier. And one of the first kind of I- ideas um, beyond the, the, the idea of synchronizing came from a gentleman called Walter Wilson. And this was, it was very, very elaborate manual transmission. It was called the Wilson Preselector, and it really was kind of the precursor to the automatics that came from the Americans later on. This came along in 1930, and I, I actually have one of these transmissions in my 1933 Daimler. Um, the Wilson Preselector was a case with four different planetary gears of different gearing, with leather wrapped bands which would could individually hold each of these gears in place as you on the column you had a lever which allowed you to um select the gear so you moved off you then without um actually shifting gear you moved the lever to say so you've been in first you move it to second when you were ready to Shift gears. You then pressed a selector lever on the floor, looked a little bit like a clutch pedal, and that would select the next gear. And all it did was release one band on the the uh, on the the planetary was being held and engage another band to hold a different set of gears. Top gear or fourth gear being all bands released, and the entire system would then spin which would basically be one-to-one gearing, much like a manual transmission, typically a four-speed works today. So that made shifting easier, although it did take some uh, um, learning on how to use it. And I can tell you with my Daimler, it took a a significant amount of time. Now the early Wilson preselectors had a clutch. Daimler took it a step further, and they came up with the idea of the fluid, flywheel which took the place of the clutch the fluid flywheel was the very early idea behind the torque converter i basically you had a large globe which took the place of the clutch and as the engine spun it fluid was spun out until it was spinning fast enough in the veins to engage the input shaft of the transmission, therefore spinning the transmission and allowing the Wilson preselector to work. Obviously, that was okay, but it was far from perfect. And the easiest way to shift a transmission, surely, would be automatic. And that was strictly down to American innovation. The first automatic was actually invented in 1904 by the Sturdivant Brothers of Boston this wasn't a terribly successful unit. Um, it actually, rather than thinking of any kind of hydraulics, it actually had centrifugal weights, which spun um, and were operated by, by um, basically a foot clutch, again, through the high gear band, so somewhat similar to the, the Wilson pre-selector idea, except fully automatic. The only problem being that as those weights spun, they unfortunately wore out, and eventually they would fly off, causing the unit to fail completely. Um, Unfortunately, the British motor industry did not learn anything from this, because Norton and Triumph and folks like that were still struggling with weights falling apart on, um, centrifugal weights falling apart on their motorcycles many years later. The next significant attempt to at automatic transmission was by, R- by REO RE Automobile in 1934. It was called the REO Self Shifter, and it was a t- it was two transmissions that were actually connected, one in line with the other or in series. For ordinary driving, one unit upshifted itself in relation to car speed through the engagement of um, again centrifugal force multiple clutches, kind of the same idea by used by the Sturtevant, so now the metallurgy was better so things didn't fall apart. The second transmission was then shifted manually still and it was only used when a lower gear, i.e. for tall hills, was needed. As Aureo went away, Oldsmobile became um, one of the major manufacturers and Oldsmobile in 1937 we're getting there. They came out with the four speed semi automatic transmission called the AST or Automatic Safety Transmission. And we will chat about that here in a minute because we have some calls coming in. Let's jump to line one. Good morning, you're on Car Gap. Morning, Nick. Eric here. Hello, Eric. How are you?
8: Oh, uh, rolling with the punches.
7: Good. Well, hopefully, I haven't bored you to death.
8: No, 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 no. <laughs> I, 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 went to a high tech school, so I know, you know about transmissions, expandable pulleys, everything else. You know, and uh, these these guys, they were geniuses that came.
7: Absolutely geniuses. <laughs> yeah, they really because they. I mean, this was they didn't have anybody to copy. This was ideas being developed. So yeah. it really was amazing what they achieved in a, in a short time too. Yeah.
8: And you know when you talk about pulleys and stuff like that, you know most of those pulleys before uh, petroleum products, and uh, uh, that was uh, uh, buffalo uh, hide.
7: Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And, that- and I believe that was used in a lot um, a lot of uh, things like uh, the uh, fabric industry and looms and oh, things. Oh
8: yeah, they had that main drive shaft on the ceiling and came down with with the pulleys and. Uh, Drive uh, the uh, textile machines and stuff, you know, and yeah. And then, of course,
7: your side that you were in for many years in printing.
8: Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. I mean, you know, uh, gears and transmissions. uh, You know, uh, uh, for the for the size of the package, that even if you put it in the car, it's a fantastic piece of equipment.
7: Absolutely.
8: You can't. You can't uh, uh, say uh, that. So uh you know you think that the engines would be much much bigger today you know but what you got in a what you got in a normal bill today in the in the, uh, uh uh reciprocating uh engine mm-hmm. uh, is a marvelous invention the size it, of the package
7: uh, it is it's absolutely yeah. incredible i yeah. eh? Yeah, again, I mean, we're talking about transmissions for textile machines and printers that took yeah. up massive buildings. Yeah. Um. Again, what these folks like, uh, um, Levisor and Panhard and RE Automobile and uh, Durea, I mean, they would here he, he, they were miniaturizing things into cars, yeah, which were literally in in whole buildings. And when we talk about the miniaturizing miniaturization of computers i mean yeah. uh, going from whole buildings to something far more powerful that we now carry in our pockets yeah um been, yeah. It's, it's a similar evolution um yeah. the one thing that i i am i'm sort of fascinated by is the car in it, its basic form really has not changed in 140 years and that was if we if i get through this whole show today and don't run into next week um the interesting part, of course, is are we getting to the end of the car as we know it? In 10, 15 years, does that well, completely change? You know, and we could talk about, I don't want to jump ahead to that, but yeah. yeah.
8: You know, it, the, the whole thing here, you know, everybody's talking electric and electric, electric. but your car is going to run on coal anyway, because you've got to plug it in. So, uh,
7: yes, unless we change how we generate our electricity, and that's, yeah. an in- that's another subject which could be addressed in a, you know, another yeah. day.
8: Yeah, and the, the the thing is that uh, uh, for the size of the package that you got in the, in an in automobile today, and all the other luxuries and the comforts, all right, Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we we uh,
7: and the incredible reliability in all yeah. conditions.
8: Yeah, I mean it's it's fantastic. Now, now when you were talking. Uh, uh, positive traction you know that that was mainly uh, done I remember uh, when we got into it as, as teenagers uh, it was mainly done for the drag strap you
7: know. <laughs> yes although for as four-wheel drives became more in vogue, yeah. that also uh, became something yeah. and for for the folks who lived north of the snow line that became a pretty important piece. Oh, yeah, yeah. Particularly for the traditional American car with a large V8 driving through a drive shaft to the rear wheels.
8: I remember as a teenager, all right, if I couldn't get up a hill, all right, I would would, would back up the hill because it's better to climb over the snow than try to push it over the snow. You know, so... and people who say, "Well, that's kind of strange." You didn't change lanes, all right? You'd just be you'd just be going up the hill in reverse, you know? Yeah. To climb over the snow, you know, rather than the, rather than trying to push those front wheels over the snow in a regular situation, uh, uh, we, we learned how to get up that steep hill in an emergency. Yeah. You know? So that so that's benefit, and that's where four wheel drive comes in.
7: Absolutely, very effective. Absolutely. You,
8: know, so you cannot. You, can you not only have front wheels climbing over the snow, but you also have rear wheels pushing.
7: Yeah, and if one loses traction, you've got still got three others trying exactly. to get you out there. Exactly. Yes, indeed. Yeah. All right, yeah.
8: Eric. All right, Nick. Yeah, I'm listening, and it's very educational, and I uh, <laughs> hope hope a lot of other people are listening. Well, Some hopefully, people, people
7: are enjoying it
8: because this is what you what you're explaining is a history of. Of uh, how how we did things and how we're going to do things and how we've
7: done and why we've and my goal is to try why we've got to where we are today. Right. So yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying, Eric. Take right. care. I'll be listening, Nick. Sounds take great. Care. Have a good day. Bye bye. And we got line two holding. I'm going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. Am six fifty. K G A B.
4: Your day weather forecast is brought to you by Bob Ruart Motors. The easiest purchase you'll ever make. All roads lead to BobRuartMotors.com. We'll see a stiff southerly breeze here this Saturday across the Cheyenne area. Winds 15 to 30. Skies mostly sunny. Highs upper 70s. Cannot rule out an isolated shower. or brief thunderstorm this afternoon. Lows near 50. Little warmer. Continued breezy to a little windy and sunny and dry for your Sunday. High temps. Low to mid 80s. I'm meteorologist Mark Huer. I'm a firefighter. A teacher. I'm a farmer. I'm a barber.
5: A waitress. A mom. We're all part of your community. Every day we move in and out of each other's busy lives. It's easy to take for granted all the little moments that
0: make
2: up our everyday.
7: Some are good, others not so much.
2: But that's life. It's when you experience a moment of uncertainty, something or someone's behavior that doesn't seem quite right.
9: These are the moments to take a pause
2: because if
0: something doesn't feel right, it's probably not. It's not about paranoia.
7: Or being afraid.
5: It's about standing up and protecting our communities.
7: One detail at a time.
5: Because
4: a lot of little details can become a pattern. We, 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 we trust our instincts. Just like you should. Because only you know what's not supposed
2: to be in your everyday.
4: So protect your everyday.
2: If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities.
6: play music play the piano and then the accordion and then the cello my wife who was also blind was a good cook when she died that's when I started meals on wheels America let's do lunch it's
0: meals on one in six seniors faces the threat of hunger and millions more live in isolation drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council.
1: He's it down, loaded up and trucking. we going to do what they say can't be done. We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm Eastbound just Our and we'll bring it back no matter what it takes. Eastbound and down, put it up and truck Are we gonna do what they say can't be done? We've got a long way to go, and a short time to get there. I'm Eastbound just
7: Nick the motor guy back 60, here on KGB. Nick the Mole guy back are, here on KGB. KGB is everywhere. You are. You're on your mobile app. I don't know where Alexa. that one came Listen from. The computer's K- K- B- been behaving pretty well the last couple of weeks, but that suddenly jumped in there. So, well, we'll just. Yep. There we go. It's gone. Anyway. <laughs> back here talking about well tra- transmitting a transmission story that's what we're doing this morning on car gap i hope uh hope it's of interest to folks um if you'd like to join me 632-6500 3323 8 503 let's jump to the phones good morning you're on car gap hi
3: nick this is jerry and Greeley.
7: hello jerry
3: um, yeah, I'm enjoying this history. Uh, I, I just happened to have a transmission question.
7: How <laughs> <Our> convenient.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, last night, uh, after work, a friend's uh, Ford, uh, I, I don't remember the model, some sort of SUV that, that wouldn't start. This is a uh, 2000 model year, and um, I was just kind of on the periphery. Uh, another fellow was trying to... Help this lady get her car started and I, I was mostly just standing by holding the flashlight but um anyway yeah it, towards towards the end of him poking around and checking stuff he he thought that uh maybe it had something to do with uh transmission interlock
5: mm-hmm.
3: i'm not sure but um <clears throat> he got it going but, but during this process, I, I uh, at one point, I wondered if maybe we'd be able to push-start it or pull-start it. Is, is that no longer advisable with modern uh, automatic transmissions?
7: Well, it doesn't work, is the problem. Okay. 90, 99% of automatics, you cannot push-start because the creation of hydraulic pressure um, for the automatic transmission to engage is... Um, done by the by the engine turning the torque converter um which the torque converter also and the engine also runs the uh pressure pump which creates the pressure for the automatic transmission to engage everything so if the engine is not um turning at a fast enough speed um i.e when you're trying to when you're trying to pull start it, you're running it basically backwards through the transmission, right? Because you're using the motion of the wheels to turn the flywheel of the engine, which turns the engine over, which makes it go bang. Makes sense.
3: Well, um, I'm having trouble visualizing that. But okay, we- so
7: so when you when you start an engine. You turn a key, and there's a starter that engages to the flywheel of the engine, turning the crankshaft, moving the pistons up and down, and making the engine start. Mm -hmm. When you pull-start a vehicle, you are now turning the wheels of the engine (coughs) through the transmission. The transmission then turns the flywheel in the same manner to start the engine. Okay? Mm -hmm. But if it's an automatic and the transmission is not engaged because the flywheel is not turning so the pump is not um, working all you're doing is spinning the um, drive shaft of the transmission but not actually getting any of that energy because there is no engagement of the transmission through to the flywheel the flywheel cat does not turn the engine does not start
3: the reason um, that, that this had occurred to me was uh, m- many years ago, uh, when I was in high school, I had a 1967 Chevy Impala.
7: Aha. Uh-huh. And blew- you just chose the one car that this would work on.
3: <laughs> I think it was a Turbo Hydramatic
7: 350. No, it was probably a Powerglide. Okay. And Powerglides had the pump run off the driveshaft.
3: Okay. Well yeah so, we were able to to pull start that car a few times.
7: Correct, you were. Okay. <laughs> However, that doesn't work on yeah, you found the one well the one type of car that you could use it on. Great job. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I said ninety nine percent because there is one percent. <laughs> okay,
3: so, so basically that's that's not ever a, a option anymore.
7: That is not an option anymore. Okay. Not, and having said that, not on anything that I am familiar with. Now, there may be one out there of modern vehicles, but I don't believe there is. But if somebody knows better than me, feel free to call. <laughs>
3: okay, well, I'll let you get back to the history. It is very interesting, Nick, so thank you very much.
7: Absolutely, Jerry. Thank you for calling. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back here on air. AM-
0: or see the CF Moto lineup at Cheyenne Motorsports, 2000 Westland Road, delivering fun since 1967.
6: AM 650 KGAB is everywhere you are on your radio, on your phone with our free mobile app. And now Alexa, listen to KGAB on echo dot and any Alexa device. Just download and enable the KGAB skill on the Alexa app. Then say Alexa play KGAB. Now
2: listening to
6: KGAB will even help with tech support. Go to KGAB.com. Click on KGAB on Alexa and setup is easy from AM 650 K. G-A-B. Hi everybody, I'm Jack Hanna. Since I was a boy, I've been fascinated with animals, especially their tireless work ethic. This work ethic is shared by our best friends, canines who perform life-saving work every day. So please join me and American Humane is supporting our heroic working dogs. Go to AmericanHumane.org to learn more.
0: One in three adults in America have pre-diabetes, but most don't know it. To let people know it can be reversed before it becomes type 2 diabetes, professional basketball player Julius Randle is doing everything in reverse. I'm only dunking
1: with reverse windmills. I drove the whole way to practice in reverse. I don't recommend it. This move is called the reverse shuffle. I do recommend it. And it took me months to learn how to speak in reverse, like this.
7: Years <throat> 10 almost for diabetes type 2 with living Ben has mom, my In other words, my mom has been living with type 2 diabetes for almost 10 years. So together, we want to say to the 84 million Americans at risk, exercise and healthy eating can help reverse pre-diabetes. Start by taking a simple one-minute risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org.
0: Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. <laughs>
1: Learn how you can do your part at smokybear.com.
0: Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council
5: and your state forester. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke.
4: 145 over 92, and then I had a heart attack. 150
0: over 90, and I had a stroke.
7: Nick the Motor Guy back here on gab AM 650, KGAB. If you'd like to join this morning, 632 6500, 632 3323. For those listening out of the area, 1 888 503 6500. Let's jump to line one. Good morning, you're on CarGab. Good morning, Nick. Good morning.
9: Joe, Hello, Joe. I have two questions
7: for my F 150. It's
9: a 2008. Uh, the cruise control. Uh, it's it's a real basic one. Just has the on and off on the left, and then the uh, resume, set, and uh, coast. Yeah. When I when I when I press coast, the truck begins to accelerate.
7: Okay. It shouldn't.
9: Have you ever have you ever heard of that?
7: No, I haven't. I know exactly what the system is. So you've got a the the resume is typically um there's a Basically, the way it is, say as you say, you've got an on and off switch. You've got a set, a resume, and a coast. It almost sounds like the coast button may maybe actually because the resume button often is an increase in speed as well. There's a plus sign on it.
9: Yeah, and it's uh, it doesn't, this, this one doesn't happen to have the plus sign, but yes, and right, and and it and it isn't consistent. Sometimes they start working properly. Yeah, I'm trying
7: to think. Is so computer- is that is that switch is co- probably coming apart and you're not getting the correct connection within that switch. And I have seen that in other ways on those Ford switches. Yeah,
9: and I, I'm looking at it and I can't even begin to imagine how to get into that
7: switch. No, you uh, just replace it. That is, I'm afraid, R and R.
9: No, no, I meant even how
7: do you even access it? Oh, to access it? These are on the, on the steering wheel, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, they are not that bad. I can, I can probably send you a um, um, something off full data which will show you exactly how to do it. It's not as bad as you could imagine.
9: Okay, and the other because it's right next to the uh you know, the airbag. Yes, on. correct. A little, uh, a little uh, cautious about
5: that. Well, yes. Is- so
7: that's the first thing you do anytime you're going to be around any components: from bumper, gear shift. Uh, center consoles any of that and i've repeated this many times on the show when you, you give me another chance to do it again always 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 pull the negative post to the battery and then you have no concerns
9: okay uh the, the other one is you know uh, when you're driving it with the four-wheel drive on yeah and you're and you're you know you're in tight quarters you can you can feel the wheels you know and correct and I, with the four wheel drive off, especially when I'm at a stop sign and I'm about to make a, a a left turn or even a right turn, I feel like the the, the truck is shuddering. Like
7: okay, like, so that's that is the clutches in the um uh, the uh, limited slip differential in the rear axle. I uh, the way to fix that is going well, to well hopefully to fix it depending on how far it's gone as far as the clutches um but the way to start it start trying to fix it is replacing the rear end fluid and making sure you use the correct friction modifier from ford or some from somebody like uh bg and adding that to the new differential fluid and it is amazing that can um fix within the first three or four blocks okay uh, but it's basically that friction modifier is no longer doing its job the clutches are sticking to each other ever so slightly and that shudder you're feeling is the scrubbing of the tires within and the of the movement of those clutches within the differential um because it's not letting go allowing the differential to work smoothly in its open phase as smoothly as it should okay so that
9: sounds like something pretty
7: easy for you guys to try oh absolutely yeah it's uh it's a a drain and fill with liquid gold and add a modifier to it
9: okay all right Uh,
7: uh, and when i say liquid gold i'm being a little facetious but ford's rear end fluid is darned expensive yeah i know a
9: lot of these fluids have gone uh yeah it's an
7: 885 140 synthetic
9: (laughs) Okay. Well, I, I think I think that's it for now. I'm just curious about I'm imagining
7: it or what? No, you're it's not imagining it. It's a very common thing. In fact, uh, not that long ago, when my father still had his jeep, um, had this conversation several times. In fact, uh, one of the shops he's always used for many, many years is a great little shop in Doddington, a little village up the road from them they were struggling with a jeep which had the same thing and they had never been made aware of this friction modifier and he went and bought it from uh, the jeep dealer in uh, the uk and sure enough it fixed it so it is yeah. something we see quite often mm-hmm.
9: yeah, I mean,
7: yeah. Okay. i'm gonna be kicked off in about eight seconds joe okay. Sorry. Thanks, Joe. And folks, we'll be right back in 650 KGAV.
2: The White House is up against two swirling storms. I'm Pam Puso, Fox News. The security situation in Afghanistan and Hurricane Henri, which is taking aim at the Northeast. First to Afghanistan, where the Pentagon says the airport in Kabul is secure despite the ongoing chaos outside the gates and an alert from the U.S. Embassy in Kabul to Americans on the ground telling them not to report to the airport.
4: As you can see, this is a very complex and multi-step operation. We are committed uh, to this highly important mission.
2: Major General Hank Taylor of the Pentagon says three flights from Afghanistan carrying Afghan refugees landed at Dulles Airport in Washington. President Biden will remain at the White House this weekend. He was initially planning to head to Delaware after meeting this morning with his national security team.
4: The biggest headline we got from him yesterday, from his address, was he extended the commitment to evacuate stranded Americans who are stuck behind Taliban checkpoints to Afghan translators, uh, to our allies and refugees, Uh, and it was, though, unclear by what means he really intends to do that. Uh, He did not indicate whether or not he intends to use the U.S. military or if it will involve American troops
2: foxes jackie heinrich the white house is also preparing for a hurricane Henri has strengthened within the past hour or so and is expected to make landfall tomorrow on new york's long island or new england
4: impacts across parts of the hudson valley definitely western connecticut places like cape cod and the islands i think less impacts than we thought maybe about a day or so ago this is going to be a little bit more of a western connecticut uh, and then in throughout parts of the hudson valley certainly new york city
2: Fox meteorologist Rick Reichmuth, America's listening to Fox News.
1: From the Fox News Podcasts Network.
6: Hey, this is Trey Gowdy, host of the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Every Tuesday, you'll hear what's on my mind. Plus, every Thursday, there's a special bonus episode where we answer the questions that are on your mind. Make sure to spend your Tuesdays and Thursdays with Trey. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Hope to see you.
1: America's listening to Fox News. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, it's the Fox News Rundown. Start your day with a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. A daily morning podcast going far beyond the headlines. Tapping into the massive reporting resources of Fox News to provide a full picture of the news of the day.
4: I'm Dana Perino. I'm Brett Baer. I'm Jessica Tarlov.
1: I'm Chris Wallace, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
2: The Supreme Court will weigh in on the crush of migrants at our southern border.
4: A federal court had ordered the Biden administration to reinstate the Remain in Mexico policy used at the border under the Trump administration. The Justice Department went to the Supreme Court with an emergency request to get that overturned. And now the Supreme Court has put the lower court ruling on hold, but only until late Tuesday night. Justice Alito issuing an order late Friday indicating the pause was needed in order to let the full court weigh in and for the other side to be able to file its response in objection to the DOJ by 5 p.m. on Tuesday. Day in Washington. Sean Langell, Fox News.
2: COVID-19 cases keep rising in the U.S. Johns Hopkins University tallied more than 319,000 new infections yesterday. As the Delta variant rages, more cities in the U.S. are putting new rules in place.
4: In Los Angeles, the Culver City School District is believed to become the first in the state to require all students 12 years and older to be vaccinated. The superintendent says parents, teachers, and staff overwhelmingly support the move. California has ordered all K through 12 school employees to be vaccinated or take weekly coronavirus tests, but a growing number of districts, including Los Angeles Unified, are making all employees get vaccinated with no options for tests. In New York City, Mayor de Blasio tweeting Friday morning, quote, COVID-19 vaccination will be required for all students and staff participating in high-risk public school athletic league sports this year. That includes football, volleyball, basketball, wrestling, lacrosse, rugby, and bowling.
2: A lot of people around the world are not in favor of virus protocols. There were protests today in Australia where parts of the country are locked down. Large and loud demonstrations were also held today in France and the Netherlands.
4: Sports.com or see the
0: CF Motor lineup at Cheyenne Motorsports. 2000 Westland Road, delivering fun since 1967.
4: Your day weather forecast is brought to you by Bob Ruart Motors. The easiest purchase you'll ever make. All roads lead to BobRuartMotors.com. We'll see a stiff southerly breeze here this Saturday across the Cheyenne area. Winds 15 to 30. Skies mostly sunny. Highs upper 70s. Cannot rule out an isolated shower. or brief thunderstorm this afternoon. Lows near 50. Little warmer. Continued breezy to a little windy and sunny and dry for your Sunday. High temps. Low to mid 80s. I'm meteorologist Mark Huer.
0: Dear vet it was nice to spend the night with my daughter and other veterans. It's so humbling to attend an event when you feel appreciated.
7: I had a wonderful time with my family. Thank you for the memories, vet Dear VetTix,
5: thank you for a great experience and for your support of the military and veterans. Thank you so much, vet Our family has gone through a lot the last few years, and this gave us a nice break.
1: Every empty seat at a concert, game, or special event is a missed opportunity to say thank you to a veteran or a service member. By giving your extra tickets to VetTix, you'll help America's heroes reduce stress, strengthen family bonds, and create a truly happy memory that will last a lifetime. So when you really want to say thank you for your service, give the experience, give the memory. VetTix, give something to those who gave. For more information on how you can make a difference, go to VetTix.org.
7: Motor guy back here on Cargab AM650 KGAB talking about transmissions and we've kind of been going through the history um hopefully culminating in where we are today. So right now we are in 1937 um, when Oldsmobile came out with the automatic safety transmission or AST. As I had said earlier, the whole goal over the um the First forty years of the automotive uh, of the transmission was to try and make the vehicle easier to drive, and the automatic, obviously with less input from the driver, automatic was going to make it easier to drive, and it was really pushed by by the United States and the manufacturers here. So the next stage, as I said, is the automobile AST. With the Oldsmobile AST, the driver depressed the clutch pedal and shifted the transmission either into reverse or into one of two forward ranges, low and high. Once it was in low, the transmission shifted automatically from first to second. When it was in high, it shifted from third to fourth. Changes within each range were automatic by way of oil pressure and to hydraulically operated planetary gears. So very similar to the idea behind the Wilson preselector, except it was through hydraulic pressure. The shift points were preset according to the vehicle's speed. Um, and this automatic safety transmission, or AST transmission, which cost back in 1937, was installed on about 28,000 1938 Oldsmobiles. The reason they called it the safety, or the safety, the, the idea behind the safety, referred to the claim that the driver, because they were not so focused on shifting, was able to focus better on the road. The significance of the ST it really was the forerunner and the development idea between a transmission, which the name of is still with us today, the GM Hydromatic. Um, that Hydromatic, which we will talk about in a little while, actually arrived in an automobile in 1939 and was made available in 1940 models. Buick as happens so often, the competition in between all the GM manufacturers introduced a five-speed version of the AST um, in something called the Buick Special. However, it was rushed to market in trying Buick, trying to outdo Oslobill, which is crazy when you consider they were under the same umbrella. Um, and it was so prone to trouble, it was dropped within just a few months. So, we are finally getting towards the fully automatic transmission. And that came along again through Oldsmobile in the form of the Hydromatic. The Hydromatic consisted of three planetary gear sets, each of them being operated hydraulically. A fluid coupling was used to connect the engine and transmission based on very similar ideas that came from the Daimler Fluid Flywheel about uh, that point, what, uh, 10 years earlier? Um, The credit for perfecting that Fluid Flywheel, which quite honestly on the Daimler doesn't work great. Um, I have one, so I know. Um, That really came from Chrysler. And Chrysler developed it and developed, and they really didn't get going with theirs until the Chrysler Fluid Drive transmission, which arrived in nineteen forty-one. Although Chrysler's Fluid Drive was not an automatic unit, but it was standard transmission with a fluid coupling rather than a clutch. So again, kind of a kind of an in between, much like Daimler's idea with the Wilson pre-selector. So then we had the war, and of course, any time that uh, there is a wartime, engineering moves forward tremendously, and various automatic transmission ideas were developed on um, various equipment during during wartime, and in fact, on tanks. In fact, some of the British vehicles used the Daimler version of the fluid flywheel and pre- and uh, pre-selected transmissions. By 1948, the automatic transmission had evolved into what we know today. So the hydraulic torque converter coupled to a planetary gear train, completely controlled through hydraulic pressures. The first to use the, the true torque converter was Buick and it was offered in the Dynaflow fully automatic transmission at this point this had gone up to a $244 option on the Roadmaster within three years 85% of Buicks that were sold had the Dynaflow and the Dynaflow was the model for the present-day automatic transmissions of course everyone else jumped on the bandwagon with similar units you had the Chevrolet Powerglide used in many many vehicles in a couple of different versions one with a cast iron case which is the most miserable thing to stop from leaking um, and later on an aluminum case which was where it really came into vogue the ford matic and the mocha which were of course Ford and Mercury's versions in 1950 and the Chrysler M6 torque converter automatic which came along in 1951 that continued to kind of dominate the automotive industry. The th- sort of standard two-speed then became the three-speed automatic, with the Turbohydramatic 350s, the Turbohydramatic 400s for higher-powered vehicles in the GM product. Um, when they when uh, GM came out with the idea of having front-wheel drive cars, they kind of cut their 350s and 400s um, in the middle, kind of twisted them around so they became front-wheel drive cars in the 325 and 425, Um, all incredibly tough transmissions um, in the 325 and 425, some of the heaviest units I have ever been around. Um, From Chrysler, the Torque Flight. Torque Flight 904 and A727 in my opinion probably the toughest transmissions ever made i back in the days when i did this for a living which is now over 20 years ago i saw torque flights coming in a727s in trucks that were bleeding out of every hole they could be yet they were still able to drive down the road and when we took them apart we couldn't believe that these things were still moving um the 727 it, again, my opinion is the strongest transmission to ever come out of any manufacturer whatsoever. They're just, just incredibly well built. Um, Ford also had their versions. Um, of course, they went from the Ford-o-matic to the cruiser o uh, Later on, the C4, which was typically used in Mustangs uh, with smaller engines, the c6 which was used in mustangs with big engines and all the trucks and it survived all the way back up into the late 80s early 90s as did the a727 and the chryslers um through the uh i threw into the overdrive um era which we will get to here in a little bit one of the interesting parts that again comes up when you start talking about transmissions and of course once you've got a transmission you then got to have drive shafts and to have drive shafts you have to have um movement allowing of the drive shaft to allow suspension movement otherwise you would obviously it would jam into itself and those were done through universal joints which we hadn't really mentioned universal joints were first introduced way back in 1902 by somebody called peerless um later on and they were a very simple design with no bearings or or anything like that the franklin in 1908 started to use roller bearings and then a brand which comes up so often when it, it's a brand that's no longer with us and hasn't been for many years but when automotive inventions of the 20s and 30s come up this name often stands at the front the 1930 Hupmobile pioneered needle bearing U joints, and those are still used on every drive shaft today, on the U joints. So, that there you have it. The Hupmobile was the was the be all and end all in 1930, and so often again, you uh, the, these older companies that had had great ideas by the 1970s we were still using basically the tra- same transmissions just about everything was a three-speed automatic be it and of course mostly dominated by american manufacturers um borg warner um in britain mercedes um with their own designs and uh, zf or zf as i grew up knowing it a huge german transmission company Um, also with their own designs and those again three speeds although Mercedes was the early development of the four-speed because they were one of the first to really start to realize significant significance of fuel economy by the 1970s we'd had the fuel crisis in the mid 70s and there was realization that one of the problems with the automatic transmission driven by a torque converter is that anytime you have a fluid driving the car, i.e. through the torque converter, remembering that a torque converter is a fluid flywheel, as Daimler called it, there is going to be a certain amount of slippage, and therefore it is less efficient than it could be. In the late 70s, early 80s, the manufacturers came up with the idea of building a clutch within the torque converter and at certain speeds and there were some hydraulic there were some electronically operated the clutch would then lock up if you ever hear about transmissions called lock-up transmissions the transmission would then lock up within the torque converter at highway speeds allowing the Transmission to work much more efficiently because you were no longer driving through a fluid, and that increased fuel economy. Um, and it was almost like having an additional gear. In fact, if you ever drive one of those early lockup transmissions, um, one of the things you can do test, um, to see if the lockup is working is you can tap the brake pedal while holding the gas. At a, at a steady speed and watch the engine RPM come up. And it's typically three to 500 engine um, RPM. Hence why that she was a fuel saving um, function. The only unfortunate thing, and GM had a huge problem with this, was if the, the uh, disconnecting part of that didn't work. GM in the 80s brought out a small transmission to go in small front-wheel drive cars, um, and it was called the TH or turbohydramatic 125. And it was turbohydramatic 125C, which stood for converter lockup. When I was in the business in the, the 90s, um, on into the early 2000s, particularly in the 90s, this was a very common complaint. And we would often have automobiles and Pontiacs and Chevrolets and Buicks come in with, well, my car's fine, um, but I'm, when I'm driving along, I come to a stop and it, this, the car will suddenly jerk and the engine will stall. And I have to put the end the, the put it in park, start it, put it back in gear, and then it drives fine until the uh, till it does it all over again. The TH one twenty five C was one of the earlier electronic lockup um, converters. It had a um, a solenoid switch which allowed the fluid to go to the go to the lockout part of the torque converter. This was. Um, unfortunately starts to be a little unreliable and when i was first working at the transmission shop, we were having a lot of people coming in and saying they'd spent lots and lots of money replacing the torque converter um but it didn't always fix it and that was because it was actually often the switch itself that had failed and it was something for a few years there that every transmission shop in the land replaced many, 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 many of these switches. Again, like all automotive um, inventions, it takes some time to get these right. Throughout the 80s and into the 90s, lockup converters became better and better, and now you don't even consider it's not even thought about. At the same time as the uh, lockup converter, there was starting to be more and more talk of the overdrive. Now, remembering that typically on a three-speed automatic transmission, the top gear, just like on a manual transmission, the top gear, be it fourth gear or whatever, is the whole rotating assembly driving one-to-one from the engine to to the rear axle. Overdrive stands for where the through gearing that the engine now turns less speed than the rear wheels the engine turning less speed, meaning greater fuel economy. Overdrives had actually been around since the 1930s, um, and those had been uh, used by Chrysler and DeSoto. They were used in many British cars. There were manual overdrives, which were available on a lot of Chevrolets and a lot of vehicles back in the 50s. MG, Jaguars all used this sort of overdrive section, which was a, a separate transmission put on the back of the stand of the regular transmission be it automatic or standard and then allowing that gear that uh, overdrive gear to give you again better fuel economy less wear on the engine etc etc again by the 90s that was becoming more a consideration as more cafe standards were brought in and also as smaller engines came in the more gears you had within the transmission the more uh, shifts you could allow allowing that engine remember going back to my beginning of the show here where i said uh gasoline engines produce their best torque in a fairly narrow range well if you can keep the transmission shifting in the narrowest range possible where it's producing its best power and best economy the more gears you have the better This started with four speeds in the 1980s. Typically, all the American manufacturers went off and they took their Ford C6, Ford C3, Turbo 350, and they added, they redesigned it with basically the same transmission, and within the case, they added an overdrive section. Some of these were horribly, horribly unreliable. Um, the C3, which became the A4LD, uh, in the Fords, and it was used in Bronco 2s and Mustangs and all kinds of other small, uh, small Ford vehicles in the mid 80s through to the mid 90s was an awful transmission. I will admit I made lots of money rebuilding those through the 90s. Um, they were really horribly designed, and they were undersized, and they gave all kinds of problems. Which brings me full circle to what started this whole show today, and that is Kevin from Colorado's Ford Explorer. The Explorer uh, transmission then I uh, developed as a four-speed. We went away from hydraulic controls because these were one of the problems with with overdrives to electronic controls, and by the mid '90s we had computers controlling our transmissions. Every manufacturer did this. By the late '90s, you, even with Ford, even a little earlier than that, they had again seen the need to try and keep these engines in as as um efficient the band as possible they had started to add an additional gear so a fifth gear and all that was it wasn't actually any change whatsoever to the gears within the transmission all they did was to add a different ratio by overdriving a different section of the transmission In the case of the Ford A4LD, which became the 5R55E, if I remember rightly, this was not a good idea. You had taken a three-speed out of a Pinto in about 1973. You then had added an overdrive section in the early to mid-80s, which had proven to be unreliable, and by the mid-90s, you'd now added electronic controls, and you had taken that... Um, unreliable overdrive section and now you had made it do twice the work yeah sorry this is where ford for me in the 1980s and 90s completely totally lost their way um i believe they have rescued themselves greatly over the last few years however they really did lose their way at that time We'll get into this GM and Chrysler and Chrysler's kind of cool way of getting around it, and also into some of the front wheel drive transmissions here when we get back, and we'll talk more about more and more and more and more and more ratios.
1: No how At participating locations does not include state local taxes or recycling fees. Advertised sales price may not be available in some states, offer NZ 3121.
7: Nick the motor guy back here AM six fifty KGAB, talking about transmissions and talked a lot about automatics for the next couple of minutes. Just wanted at the same time the automatics were developing, the same thing had happened in manual transmissions. Remember back to Durrell and uh, the um, Panhard Levasseur three speed sliding gear transmission, and then by the '30s we had synchronization thanks to Cadillac and. The manual transmission still was desirable to many people particularly those who actually enjoyed driving rather than just transportation and of course in the world of auto racing automatics were poo-pooed because they did not offer the control that a manual transmission did that manual transmission continued to develop because of that and again automotive racing motor racing has always been a development huge development platform for everything that we've done and of course it uh, continues today so back we had three speeds and for those of you who remember three on the tree now a lot of people in uh, who might be listening britain are going what on earth are you talking about but here in america we knew about three on the tree and three on the tree meant you had a manual transmission with a lever on the steering column, which you actually maneuvered to get your three gears. In Europe, four speeds um, became the vogue. Again, smaller engines, much less torque than their American counterparts, the need for more ratios to keep the engine on the boil. Um, In other words, in its most powerful point. most of these were shifted by a shifter on the floor. Unless you were French, in which case you took your dashboard and you stuck what looked like a rather strange umbrella stick out in the middle of it, and that was your shifter. If you guys are ever in a car show and you see an old Renault, or, um, 70s Renault or Renault 4 or something like that, or you see a Citroën 2CV or Diane 6, which was the um, sporty version of it, it's 600 cc's um that had this sort of umbrella stick affair out of the dash as manual transmissions continued to be developed four speeds on the floor became the kind of standard thing both here in the states for those that came with standard transmissions and over in europe um that that was basically the standard thing along come the japanese honda toyota Nissan, uh, or Datsun, as it was at the time. Again, with smaller engines, which they were getting immense power out of for the time. But by getting immense power of them, they were narrowing the power band, the rev band, the, the torque area, if you want, of where the engine produced its best power. So as a answer to that, the Japanese came with five-speed transmissions. And although five-speed transmissions were there for a reason, a lot of the manufacturers, and again, I'm talking about the rest of the world, not so much the United States, although the small cars of the 80s here as well, it became a, almost a necessity if you produced a new car you couldn't have a four-speed transmission you had to have a five-speed because well it was a bigger number and therefore it had to be better I think that's how a lot of the public thought about it although for the manufacturers it was a necessity for the engine to be kept again in its sweet spot and yet when um driving on the highways and just general cruising you could get that overdrive or fifth gear and in some cases later on sixth gear to give you the, the the relaxed rpm still in the point where the engine could pull the car along at speed and get your best fuel economy so that was the development of the uh, similar ideas you had start with three four five six speeds there are even seven speed standard transmissions not many the 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 vehicles that you can find with a standard now six speed does tend to be the yeah the, the, the standard as it were automatics of course well we've really gone crazy and again this is all in the name of emissions and economy and this is where our automatics are going Sorry, folks, but the way automatics are built today is to control how you drive. Some of us will not like to hear that, but it is fact. One of the big pushes of the next generation of automatics a few years ago was the CVT, or Constantly Variable Transmission. For me, probably the most disgusting design in transmissions ever. I hate driving CVTs, but for a lot of people who just turn the key and need transportation, it works very well. CVTs do do away with any planetary gears, and basically it's two cones with a steel belt running between them. It is not a new idea. The DAF company, which la- later became part of Volvo, um, actually had this design. It was, called, it was kind of rudely known as the rubber band transmission when I was growing up um this came out more and more and more in the early 2000s nissan turned almost completely over to this style of transmission sometimes with success sometimes not so much subaru now uses that nissan transmission it is starting to become more reliable thank goodness but any anyone who's driven the cvt now nah, they're pretty awful drive but what they do do a constantly variable transmission has the perfect answer to keeping that engine in its perfect rpm point because basically the engine the rpm drops jumps up to where the engineers decided it should and pretty much stays in that power band the entire time so you never feel any shifts it also feels really rather boring it does have the function of beginning the engine into that power band where it gives the best emissions, best economy, and the engine running at its perfect point as far as the engineer's concerned. Now, for those of us who love engines that make noise and higher RPM and all those things, well, it's a disgusting invention. But for what the engineers were being forced to do by the bean counters and cafe standards and all those, it was a very necessary thing. In the answer to the fact that the manufacturers, one, was struggling on higher powered engines to make that reliable, they then developed ever-evolving numbers of ratios in the standard planetary gear transmission, or versions thereof, sometimes without planets, but with multiple clutch packs. Chrysler was an example of that. So now we are where we were four speeds back in the 90s, five speeds by the late 90s, six speeds, eight speeds, and then horror of horrors, GM's turbo Hydromatic side of their company and Ford decided to do an alliance. And together, they built the 10 speed automatic, which you will see in all the SUVs and trucks and all those things that are built by GM today and Ford. So when you drive your Ford, you're driving a GM transmission. And when you're driving a GM, by the way, you're driving a Ford transmission. Yeah, got that? Good. If you'd like to join me, 632-6500. 3323 188 503 6500 We're going to jump to the phones. Good morning. You're on Car Gap.
6: Oh, greetings from your friendly neighborhood domestic terrorist. Hello, sir. Yeah, well, I, I am uh, enjoying all the, the history that you ha- have uh, quite the uh, command of, and I'm actually glad you're doing that because it, had you not mentioned the names that you mentioned, uh, these people would uh, never be heard of. You know, somebody invents something that makes a huge difference, and their name just kind of, you know, dwindles off into obscurity
7: absolutely and there are other names out there which i jumped across because well i was trying to get too complicated but one that i didn't know about i started doing the research on this was have you ever heard of otto zachow and william Besserditch of clintonville wisconsin no i have not well they built the first successful four-wheel drive unit in 1906 Wow. No, this has been really fun to do the research on. I I mean, there's a lot that I did know um, because I find it fascinating, but there were names I came across such as Mr. Zatchau and Mr. Bessadich that I had no idea existed, let alone that the four-wheel drive unit came out of Clintonville, Wisconsin. I now want to go to Clintonville, Wisconsin to just see what it looks like.
6: Well, it's not too far from us, I don't suppose. No, probably not. Speaking of history, uh, Howie Spital is kind of sort of waiting with bated breath for your uh, call.
7: Yes, you I'm think? gonna. I'm gonna get to that. Sorry, it's been, it it just uh, busy, busy, busy at the moment, and of course I'm struggling like everybody else in any kind of business with lack of help.
6: I yeah, I I, I get that uh it may be kind of spotty towards the end of september because they're having a convention in cincinnati ohio
7: okay well sound sounds good i i will get it done skits okay
6: twice.
7: all right thanks sir and try to fit in calls and finish up a bit of this story as well let's jump to line one good morning you're on car gap hey you're a little shifty this morning Yes, a little shifty indeed. How are you, Doug?
6: I'm doing pretty good. I'm on the edge of my seat, ready to hear the end of the story, though, but I had to call you before your time is up, so.
7: Yeah, I understand. (laughs) Just just a reminder, we're
6: still cruising tonight.
7: Absolutely. Night is on. Um,
6: I'm not sure we're going to have any fundraiser, but it looks to me like we're still going to cruise, and it's going to be a pretty cool night.
7: Yep. We are oh, not going to have a fundraiser. There. The charity that was involved has decided with the COVID thing that they have too many people at risk, so they yeah. are not coming out.
6: I, I totally understand that. So, anyway, I'll probably see you out there tonight. Yep. And, uh, I, I tell you my uh, automatic transmission story, but it's way too long.
7: So, okay. <laughs>
6: anyway, I'll let you get back to your, your, the end of your story.
7: Absolutely. Thanks, sir.
6: Talk to you later. Bye.
7: Bye-bye and let's jump over the line two good morning you're on car Gap.
6: thank you very much nick uh, yeah everybody's have wanted to know about the transmission so it's very interesting show thank Back you a long time ago in the early 50s i was in a a, a chrysler probably it was the desoto or what but we were out in a weak field and the guy was wanting to get more power and i don't know if he hit the clutch or the brake on that it was automatic some kind what would that what would that do? Is that kind of transmission?
7: So trying yeah. it so what he probably did and DeSoto was one of the ones with a dual if I remember rightly a dual range. So by that time Chrysler with their fluid drive, which was was used in the um DeSotos as well had kind of a dual range transmission so what he probably did was drop it down to a lower range by hitting the clutch well because yes so some of these you could move the lever and it did so when i was talking about the pre-selector yes sir that probably the clutch also operated The pre selection phase of that. And again, I'm not completely familiar with it because it was so as again, as I was uh, detailing earlier, there were so many different versions of semi automatics as the manufacturers were trying to make cars easier to drive. So there were lots of different strange versions of dual ranges and things like that, which could be operated by hitting the clutch or by hitting a lever to change a range
6: right okay well thank you very okay. much. i appreciate it i was wondering what
7: happened but i'm thinking that's what it is but i'll admit it is a somewhat educated guess all right okay <laughs> bye 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 bye. and let's jump over to line one good morning you're on car oh no nope, we lost that one all righty if you would like to join us 632 oh hey may be back let's try this again good morning you're on car gap.
8: Good morning, Nick. Eric again. Hello, Eric. Hey, uh, I think it was uh, either 1953 or 1954. Plymouth had what they call high drive. Okay. Now, the way you could work this, a lot of women, uh, like my aunt, she went out and brought one because she didn't want to work with a uh, a manual transmission. You could drive it in third, or you can shift it like a regular three-speed. Yep. Yeah. Uh, which was unique for her because uh, she always drove it in uh, in third gear, which was automatic. Everything just happened automatically, and uh, you know. But I borrowed it a few times, and I liked the idea. It was three on a tree, you know, and uh, I liked the idea of shifting, you know.
7: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
8: Was, I, I I don't know how reliable it would because I I don't. She hers never broke down, so. Uh, I guess it was pretty reliable for her,
7: anyway. Yeah, and you know, all these things, it was incredible how reliable these were because they were literally on the edge of technology.
9: Yeah, yeah.
7: Nice. And, and it's interesting now, you know, we've developed these trans, these engines and these transmissions for 120 years. Yep. Um, and every time we turn the news on at the moment, we hear about an electric vehicle that's done this or done that and whether you agree or disagree with the whole electric premise which is a completely different subject to where i'm trying to go with this we got to remember that these cars that we're producing now are very again very much on the edge forefront of technology and therefore we are going to occasionally have problems you know back in the day car fires due to gasoline were pretty common Way, 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 way back before yeah. even you were born, Eric. I mean, I'm just kidding. Yeah, um, well, I, I was around when
8: I, <laughs> I, I had my first Brontosaurus steak uh, back there.
7: <laughs> <laughs> the, anyway. But anyway, but you had um, lights on early cars, which were um, powered Before, before the thought of electric lights by acetylene gas created by dripping water onto calcium carbide. Right. And when, well, I mean, sorry, you've got acetylene gas and um, you're lighting it. Yeah, that went wrong and that exploded. Um, yeah. So we've had these issues, and it, 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 now because, of course, everything has to be a panic and everyone has to be blamed for something, it's become a much bigger deal. But I think, again, whether, whatever side you're on with the electric versus gasoline versus coal versus whatever subject, as we develop new ideas, we're going to have things that go wrong. And it's happened in the automotive industry since the beginning of time. And, yeah. again, r- removing the political aspect of it, which I desperately tried to do so often and try to think clearly on these things, we had to accept that when we're starting to push that envelope, we're going to have problems. Yeah. I mean, go, yeah. let's go back to the airship, you know. Yeah. Um, before we realized helium was just almost as good as hydrogen, we had airships blowing up.
8: Yep. That's for sure. We so. were the major supply of... Uh of uh, helium
7: uh, yeah
3: uh,
8: and uh this is why the hindenburg got
7: exactly was yeah, exactly hindenburg. what i was thinking about but yeah. the hindenburg created the need for helium which created the need you know, here we go down this path again yeah. now of course our ships were not exactly maneuverable but they created flight at a time when flight wasn't yeah. easily available so and they would
8: like to they would like the cruise ship of going to europe if you if you can get on one, you
7: know... Uh, Absolutely. I mean, we can go all the way... Boat, you
8: know, but...
7: Uh, we, we can go it. all the way back to my, my one of my great engineering heroes, IKB, Isambard Kingdom Brunel, who was told you can never build a ship out of iron. It can never float. Uh-huh. Well, of course... He did, and it was incredibly successful. And we don't have too many wooden trawlers running around anymore, do we?
8: No. <laughs> hey, hey, you know something? I, I I get a kick out of this. My brother brought a hybrid. You know? Yeah. Uh, and uh, oh man, this is great! This is new stuff. No, it ain't. You you can go all the way back to diesel electric. Uh, oh, absolutely. Uh, trains and uh, and now all of our all of our uh, military boats, except for the aircraft carriers, are. Are still diesel electric, so this is not a new idea, you know. But uh, uh, even even the, the German King Tiger tank was diesel electric, and it had so much failures in it because uh, it was uh, aside from the uh, seventy tons that it was, uh, it had so many problems with the uh, diesel uh, electric. Uh, it, it, Yeah. Well, again,
7: here's another example of pushing the envelope. And we've got to remember that as we develop new forms of transportation, which is going to happen and needs to happen. We will develop over times. There is going to be issues with them. So anyway, I'm going to let you go. Finish up where I'm going. And thank you so much for calling and listening, Eric. Okay. Always good to hear from you. Bye -bye. Bye bye. And we need to fit a quick break, and we'll be right back. AM 650,
4: KGAB. Your day weather forecast is brought to you by Bob Ruart Motors. The easiest purchase you'll ever make. All roads lead to BobRuartMotors.com. We'll see a stiff southerly breeze here this Saturday across the Cheyenne area. Winds 15 to 30. Skies mostly sunny. Highs upper 70s. Cannot rule out an isolated shower. A brief thunderstorm this afternoon. Lows near 50. Little warmer. Continued breezy to a little windy and sunny and dry for your Sunday. High temps. Low to mid 80s. I'm meteorologist Mark Hannah complained of a headache. It was a rhabdomyosarcoma. Within a few days Hannah was in treatment
7: because we were told that the tumor was very aggressive and it very quickly became clear that St. Jude was the ultimate place to be. So we've essentially put our lives in South Africa on hold, incredibly blessed to be here. St. Jude is an asset to the world. The research that is developed here is offered freely to the rest of the medical world. The entire way that the place operates is just to give and to care. I think it's the kind of place that not only stands as a beacon for paediatric cancer, but I think it could teach the world a couple of lessons about how to treat people. And I think if those lessons could be learned even in their most basic form, this world could be a better place. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures, saving
3: children. Learn more at stjude.org.
5: Olivia, from Washington. Laid off and trying to keep our little kids from realizing that mommy and daddy haven't eaten in a while.
0: Roger, from California. I'm grateful we could afford our son's
5: surgery. I'm nervous that now we can't really afford food.
1: Daniel from California, choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Donna from Louisiana, the storm just hit and we went from donating to the food bank to needing it. Keisha
5: from South Carolina, I've been skipping meals so my two kids can eat, but filling up on water doesn't really work. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council.
0: Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting. A Teenager. Learning the
1: lingo. Jelly. Jelly adjective. Jelly is a shorter, better way to say jealous. As in, Chloe, I am like so jelly of your unicorn phone case.
0: You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. Visit AdoptUSKids.org, brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Kids, and the Ad Council.
1: Are you at risk for oral cancer? I never chew tobacco.
7: I don't drink much. I never smoked a cigarette in my life.
1: You're three times as likely to get oral cancer if you drink or use tobacco. What about HPV?
0: HPV. Isn't that about cervical cancer?
1: What does that have to do with oral cancer? You're 30 times more likely to get oral cancer if you have HPV or the human papillomavirus. HPV?
4: Didn't know that.
1: Learn more about HPV and oral cancer at myoms.org. This message is brought to you by your oral and facial surgeons.
7: Guy back here on AM650 KGAB. We got about four minutes le- left to uh, transmit the story of transmissions. Um, so, we've gone through the, the standard transmissions, we've gone through all the automatics. We are now to eight speed and 10 speed, fully electronically controlled transmissions. We have CVT transmission, which, as I said, were in our metal link belt between two cones the 8-speed and 10-speed, everything, again, it's all fixated on trying to control emissions and all those things. And with those transmissions, these new transmissions, it keeps that engine at that perfect RPM point. For those of us that still actually love to drive, yeah, they're pretty awful. Um, One of the things that we that I didn't touch on are dual-clutch transmissions or DCTs. They are kind of a mix between the standard transmission and the automatics. so they actually have gears with shafts that are electronically run by um, by solenoids and switches and controlled through paddle shifts, um, Typically, on very high-end performance cars, Ferraris, Porsches, things like that. Those are done with performance in mind. They couldn't give a monkey's about emissions. This is absolutely ultimate performance. It can also... Um, help with the incredibly powerful engines that some of these vehicles have. And we're talking, well, the new Mustang GT500, 700 horsepower. It is using a dual-clutch transmission simply because the manufacturer does not feel that 99% of us who um, might drive this vehicle are actually capable of shifting a manual transmission successfully to control that power. So DCTs come into vogue there. We'll just leave those alone a little bit because they really are in the sort of $100,000-plus cars, track cars, um, ultimate performance cars. Go back to the automatics. Those are with us to stay while the internal combustion survives. As I said earlier, when we first started, steam engines and electric motors don't need transmissions. Because their torque point can be increased, is widespread, unlike a gasoline engine where it is very narrow. That is the reason for a transmission. For now, I'll leave you with this idea. If you remember when I first talked about this, way back two hours ago, our transmissions were two pulleys and a leather belt. I believe as the in what I unfortunately believe is the waning days of the internal combustion engine standard transmissions will be a thing of the past DCT transmissions will ignore because they're only in the ultimate high-powered Ferraris Lamborghinis blah 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 automatic transmissions planetary gear automatic transmissions as we know them will be gone Again, remembering we started with two pulleys and a leather belt. What we'll be left with in our last gasoline-powered cars will be a CVT. And what's a CVT? It's two pulleys connected by a leather belt. So we have achieved 100 years and achieved absolutely nothing. We've gone back to where we started. And with that revelation, I will leave you this week. Everybody have a wonderful weekend. Remember Cheyenne Arts Festival's going on at Lions Park. Paddy Fiasco's playing tonight. The Cubby Hole. Mr. Bird and the Perfect Strangers is playing at 4 o'clock at the Cubby Hole on Haunted Road off Dell Range. Go and look at those uh, condos out there. They're awesome. Whatever you do, enjoy Cheyenne, enjoy our community, and come out and cruise tonight on Cheyenne Cruise Legend. I'll see you there. Take care, everybody. Bye bye. A hurricane
2: is heading north. I'm Pam Huso. Fox News. What was Tropical Storm Henri is now a Category 1 hurricane taking aim at the Northeast.
4: Four to six inches of rain through Long Island, up through Connecticut, into New York and Massachusetts. Just heavy rainfall. Even northern uh, north New Jersey here can get some of that rainfall. Just efficient rains. Could be some flooding and could knock down some trees.
2: Ken Graham is the director of the National Hurricane Center. Power outages could be widespread, landfall expected tomorrow. Hurricane Grace hit Mexico's Gulf shore today as a major Category 3 before weakening, drenching coastal and inland areas. It was the storm's second landfall in the country in two days. To Afghanistan, where the Pentagon says the situation is fluid and dynamic. Spokesman John Kirby also saying the mission to get Americans and Afghan interpreters out of the The country hasn't changed. He did appear to downplay a security alert from the U.S. Embassy in Kabul that earlier today advised Americans not to attempt to get to the airport. The AP is reporting possible threats from ISIS may be the reason.
0: What you're seeing out of our State Department colleagues, I think, is a prudent notification to make sure that whatever movement there is to the gates from outside the airport is done uh, as safely as possible and that people have uh, the information they need.
2: In the last 24 hours, the Pentagon says six U.S. military transport planes and a number of charter flights have left Afghanistan.
4: Since the end of July, we have relocated approximately 22,000 people. Since the beginning of uh, this evacuation operation on August 14th, we've evacuated waited approximately 17,000.
2: Major General Hank Taylor, America's listening to Fox News.
1: It's Brett Larson inviting you to download and listen to the new daily Fox on Tech podcast. There's part of a colorful late 90s iMac on Mars. It's an idea that seems a lot like Kickstarter called Build It. This isn't the first time we've heard about North Korea hackers trying to get a leg up on COVID 19, a range that was used for satellite TV service in the 70s. Get the latest trends in technology, cybersecurity alerts, and gadget news daily. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcast.com
4: or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Connect to Fox News Audio on the Fox News app. Listen to hear your favorite hosts like Brian Kilmeade, Jimmy Fallon, and Guy Benson standing up for what's right live and via podcast. Just click listen, then swipe right and hear the latest news updates on your time. And scroll down to hear the latest podcasts from Fox News. And it's even easier to listen in the car with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. Get programming alerts and notifications. Fox News Audio is on the Fox News app. The voices America trusts. Download it now.
2: As the coronavirus pandemic wears on, there's growing debate over mask mandates at schools. And in some cases, people are getting creative to skirt the rules.
4: Parents, want to keep your kids from wearing masks when they return to school? How about the pastor of a California megachurch who's offering religious exemptions for those morally opposed to vaccinations? Or there's the Louisiana Attorney General who posted sample letters on his Facebook page for anyone looking for a way around the governor's mask rules. Oregon Governor Kate Brown's appalled by Mark Thielman, the superintendent of the all Oregon School District's suggestion that parents cite federal disability laws to get their kid an exemption. Brown says he's instructed Instructing students to lie. Thielman says the majority of his parents are skeptical and are no longer believing what they're told about COVID-19. Dr. Peter Chin Hong, an infectious disease specialist at the University of California, warns that such stratagems will sow confusion about masks and vaccinations. Karen McHugh, Fox News.
2: Thousands of people in France are again protesting the COVID-19 health pass. It's required to gain access to restaurants, sporting events, and tourist attractions. Despite the demonstrations, polls have shown the majority of French people support the health pass. The situation in Haiti is dire and desperate as homeless and hungry earthquake victims wait for relief. The catastrophe has one social media giant stepping up. Facebook says it will match up to $500,000 in donations made on its site to the United Nations Children's Fund to help Haiti with recovery efforts following a devastating 7.2 magnitude earthquake. The humanitarian agency posts after COVID-19 school closures,
0: children in Haiti were excited to get back in the classroom. Then the earthquake struck.